Welcome back to another episode of the Urban Guru Podcast, where we feature insights from artists and professionals of color. On today's podcast, I want to continue our discussions on the writing process. And today I have a good friend, fellow writer, and an IT professional, Mr. Andre Ogden. He has a new young adult fantasy book series coming out next year entitled The Everton Chronicles. And he'll join me in a laid back conversation talking about our writing workflows. So stay tuned for another informative episode of the Urban Guru Podcast. We have these outlines. You might have done some um, mind mapping. After you have all of that and you're ready to start writing, what is your workflow for actually writing your manuscript or short story or novella? Once again, I will start with notebook and I'll go in and I'll do a paragraph summary. And then I go into Scrivener and I start off with, because uh, Scrivener has this wonderful feature called uh, scratch pad, basically mm, mm-hmm. scratch pieces of paper that mm-hmm. are in there. And so I'll start the project. I'll name the project tentative because the title may change, who knows, but I'll start the project out. And Scrivener has a great layout for formats. It has these mm-hmm. really fantastic templates for be it a short story, mm-hmm. be it a telenovel, a script, or a novel, or even I think now they have a podcast template. Probably. I feel like I saw it on their support site where they have a podcast template now. But mm-hmm. I'll start that out and I'll go in and I'll start with a few opening sentences just to see, you know, what what grabs me as far as how's this story going to start? Is it going to start out with it was a cool, crisp fall afternoon, or is it starting with he leapt, she leapt down from the balcony, and as soon as she hit the ground, she was on her feet and, and sprinting across. Mm-hmm. How's, how's the story starting out? And once I mm-hmm. get with that, then I start working towards who am I introducing first, and how are they being introduced, and what's their, what's their mindset like? From there, I build upon what this character is going to start experiencing as far as what's going to happen to him or her or the group as a whole. Mm -hmm. I'm still keeping the scratch pads open Mm -hmm. and just, you know, jotting stuff down saying, yeah, that sounds kind of good. This is a, this is a pretty good description. And then I'll go back into it because the one thing is I, I'm attempting to write for a younger audience. So I'm trying to look at, well, how are other young adult novels being written? There's a really good series called Miss um, Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Mm-hmm. And they're in the back of that book, there's a short interview uh, from the author. The author was being interviewed, so it's in the back of the first book. And they just basically asked him you know, his process. The same thing we're doing right now. They were asking mm-hmm. him about his process, his workflow and everything. 
And he actually got the idea for the book series from a yard sale. He was at a yard <laughs> sale. He was at this yard sale. He was just driving around. He was at this yard sale. He just found a bunch of old photographs and he just bought them on a whim. He said, I didn't mm -hmm. think anything of it at the time. I just, I bought the photographs and he started looking through them. And he said, some of them looked a little, they looked a little odd to him. And he said from there, he just got the idea for, you know, an orphanage that had just mm -hmm. peculiar children in it. And that's where the idea came from for the series. And he started off with those photographs and his process was he would look at the photograph and then on the back of it, he would just scribble a little bit of information. And from that, he would use that photograph and that would help him develop either the character that was related to that photograph, or maybe it was a setting that was related to that photograph. And from there, the story would develop for him. So for you, you're starting, like you said, with almost the same way you're starting with the character who's going to be introduced, what are they doing, and, and things like that. I also use Scrivener. It's not free, but it's, 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 one, of the, it's one of the less expensive. It's one of the more affordable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, more it, affordable it, it really is. And it, for all it does, because you can even do screenwriting in there. I've used it to do an ad adaptation of, of, of a novel to a screenplay inside of it before I took it so outside of it. But it, one of the things, like you said, is, is really nice. But one of the things that you can have chapters separated and you can also have sections or scenes i tend to separate my stuff out sometimes i'll separate out scenes they'll be in the same chapter but i'll, I'll have them as separate things and so what scrivener does it allows each one to be its own document and but you can shift it and move it around any kind of way you can regroup it it's, it's a really nice software for writing particularly novels but novellas and short stories but it's funny because i came across somebody who gets in Scrivener, they take one document and they write their entire book in that one document. And then once they're done, they go back and they put page breaks and they break it up into the chapters after the fact. Oh, wow. And the guy was saying that you had, it's like, no, you don't have to do it that way. But you know, each is own, like you said earlier, some people come to the same piece of software and not see that you don't have to do that. But that's just how, that's just a process and how they do it. But for me, it's the same thing. I have that open. Um, I'll have Scrivener open. I'll have um, Evernote because a lot of the notes and stuff that we were talking about with character development, even if I'm going to talk about theme, all of that stuff, I'll do it in Evernote first. At one point, I tried to do it in Scrivener, but then that's a separate file and stuff. So any of the plotting and stuff like that, the, the synopsis of the different scenes and stuff, I've got to where that's in a well-labeled and, and, and tagged and meta-tagged notes in Evernote and I will open those up and on the in, in the day I start writing I'll have one for that day and all the related notes you can have links inside of that note so that you can have all that stuff there and like you said you can put in all your pictures and all your stuff and so when I start writing I always have that Evernote document open to refer to something like you I use the standard outline you know three-act structure and I don't know about for you but for me <laughs> The day I start writing, I will continue to write every day until I finish that first draft. Good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> yes, um, I'm writing. And as I'm writing it, I'm saying, oh, this, this, sounds, this sounds okay. This sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. But then something in the back of my brain will say, oh, wait, that was a show. 
that I watched back in. And Let I'll it go. There and I'll reflect and think, oh, that's right. They used that idea. And so that's why I currently have five drafts. Let it go. Really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could play that, 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 um, that frozen song let it go (laughs) (laughs) copyright strike (laughs) but you know but but you're you're speaking of authors i remember and i know you've had a chance to see him talk also at one of the conventions but you know michael stackpole and the late aaron austin Mm -hmm. um, one of the things he always said your editing mind side of your mind and your writing creative mind are two different sides and what he basically said i think it was him who said or maybe an aaron austin it's like if you're writing and some of that stuff comes to you, make a note of it, mark it, and keep going. <laughs> and what you do is once you finish that draft, you can circle back around to it at that time. And then you can address whatever it is. Um, but also, if it's going to change what you're writing, then go ahead and write it down. Keep that in mind. And then keep. And then as you keep writing, write in light of whatever it is you decided that you were going to change or do. Make sure that reflects on what you do going forward, but then you can circle back and change the other stuff to match it. But he just, and that was just one thing that he always suggested. And for me, that's why I I really like what Stephen King said in his book on writing. He says that it's, once you have that momentum going in your writing, if you stop for some reason, it's kind of hard to get that momentum back. It can be. <laughs> it really can be. Yeah. I used to say this to the screenwriting students, that first time you write, that's your first time to really be surprised with the story. Particularly if you're the type of person that once you get into it and the character starts speaking, then you start letting the story change organically as you write. At that point, you don't know what's happening going to happen either. And that's your first real time because every time after that, you're rewriting and editing. And my advice is like, as best as you can, just keep writing. That's why I say a good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> yeah, it, it all, that's the thing. I can at least say that, like, it's all, mm-hmm. it's all down on, uh, you know, it's all down in the project. Mm-hmm. You know, good descriptions, bad descriptions. Yeah. Good dialogue, bad dialogue, horrible dialogue, but at least it's down there. And <laughs> who knows? Maybe I can come back and recycle it and use it for something else, but it, it all mm-hmm. goes down. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, that's, probably one reason why i have five different drafts but mm-hmm. at least maybe later on i can come back and use something out of one of those drafts that i didn't use the first time now the i'm assuming you're on your when you say five different ones you're on your fifth one now this is the fifth one and it should be the final one in other words this should be the one that you know i'm going to look at it and say all right this is this is the one because I was going to say that probably what's happened with you is that each draft you went through, you're obviously you're making changes. So your your story is going through an evolution. Because I, I know for me, and we talked about this before, you know, you come across some writers. And if you're one of those writers out there and you're listening, um, no offense, but you come across some writers. Oh, yeah, I just do it in one pass. Um, might do a light gloss on it. Then it's off to the beta readers and editors and I'm done. I am not one of those people. <laughs> I am not one of those people by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I have a I have a bad habit of mm-hmm. trying to edit while writing, which is a really uh, bad idea. Dude, uh, you're digging tip, a hole and filling it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, tips to writers, don't do that. Uh, it's a really bad thing to do. And I have a bad habit of doing that, going back and looking at something and say, no, I think it'll sound better if they say this, or it might sound better if they do this. 
instead of saying to myself, no, finish it first, yeah. then go back and make your changes. So that's a, that's mm-hmm. a bad habit that I'm gradually breaking. Yeah, I know for me, and, and like I said, your first time through is your first time to really experience the story and the characters fresh without knowing exactly what's going to happen. Because like I said, every time after that, unless you drastically change it, you already know the story. But it's like you said, you can finish it and then you can always put it aside. Like for me, when I'm writing, okay, when I start to write and if I write the novel, I write that first draft start to finish because secondly however long it's going to take me to finish however many days but when i sit down the next night i might glance back at what i wrote before i might glance back and put a few things in there or change some things or reword some things but it's just light touches because my intention is just to also refresh myself okay this is exactly where i ended okay boom now i'm ready to go this next night now i will say have you ever done nanorama I have not participated in that. We haven't yeah. mentioned NaNoWriMo. We and the reason, I, yeah, that. and the reason I want to say, folks, that man NaNoWriMo because it's different from Zoetrope or um, Critters or um, Scribophile, All these, all these writing places where you can go, or even Wattpad or whatever, where you could show your work in progress and upload successive pieces of it and things like that. Those are fine, and I actually participate. In, in, in two of those and they're really nice and you can get people to read it get feedback you're also giving feedback to other people it's nice to interact with other writers and keep that creative spirit going but the reason i mentioned nanoramo as it pertains to what we're, we're talking about nanoramo is really the only one that i know of that gets you into that mode of writing every day for those of you who have never done it it's become really popular just about everybody's done it at least once a lot not everybody a lot of people the whole thing about NaNoWriMo, it happens in November, so it's coming up in two months, is from the first day of November to the last day of November, the goal is for you to write a full novel of at least 50,000 words. You write every day, and I think if you do the math, that breaks down to about 1,600 words a day. So if you miss a day or you don't quite get 1600 words, then you have to, you don't have to, but you have to be aware that your your daily rate, if you're going to even spread it out, has now increased. There have been people who've done Excel word counters and all kinds of things that are designed specifically for NaNoWriMo. You put your target word count in and you put in your words and it, it keeps track of all that stuff and it'll show you exactly how many words you need. So there's been people and they're, they're free, they're templates or whatever. But the reason I mentioned that is a, I tried it the first time out, particularly if you're the type of person who plans your stuff like, like you do and, other, and like I do, I think you have you might have a better chance going in because you kind of sort of know where you're going every day you sit down to write. You're not having to sit down and think about your story and then write it. You know what your story is. You just need to write it. I think going through that is a really good experience for anybody out there who starting their story and, and kind of fall away from it or whatever. I think it's a good experience to go through because it can really, because if you do it, it really shows you, you can do it. And that's the whole thing. It shows you that you can write a novel, good, bad, or ugly. You can write a novel of at least 50,000 words within 30 days. And that's what it does during the month of November. Every day you write 1,600 words. And if you finish, you get a badge, you get a certificate, and you get your name listed on that year's people who finished it. 
There are regionals, there are play people all around where you can get together with other writers who are also going through it and you can have writing sessions together. Oh, that um, sounds good. Yeah, collaboration. Yeah. yeah. It's, coll it's collaboration. Basically what it is, because everybody's writing their own thing, but you come together, you all know that we're all together. We're meeting in the mall, the food court in the mall. We grab the <laughs> set of tables. We're all here working on Anorama. You might talk to a little when you first get there, but then everybody sits down and they work on their things. And sometimes, you know, you might, if you're finished or whatever, you might talk to somebody else, but it's basically you're being around other people, you're being around other writers, and it's really helping you keep focus and do it so if that's for, for anybody listening who had who tends to have a problem with starting your 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 novel and kind of drifting away from it this can kind of give you that friendly accountability that you might want to look for and it, it's, that, it's fun that feeling of we're in this together that that's what yeah. it is it's, mm -hmm. it's building that it's building that camaraderie of hey we're, we're yeah. all in this together we're all trying to reach the same goal here so yeah. let's help each other out and Nanorama's really expanded. They have seminars. I think they have like a summer boot camp. They they have all kind of things now that really help people because so many more people than ever want to write books. So many more people than ever want to write scripts. So many more people than ever want to sell their ideas to Hollywood because Hollywood is a, is a giant content devouring uh, machine monster. I did it. And it worked for me. And ironically, those weren't the first novels I actually published. It let me know that I could do this. And so the first novel that I published, I sat down and I gave myself a target of maybe one to 2,000 words a day. And I stuck to that. And when you start, because you did Nanorama, you know how to, you know that you can do it. But when you start and when you get down towards the end, oh, you're so excited about the end and, and finishing it, you might do 5,000 words in a day, 6,000 words in a day um, because your momentum is built to such a point. For anybody out there, that's my process. Whenever I start page one, whenever I start to write, I'm faithful enough to finish that first draft. Like I said, good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it's about is, mm -hmm. is, is finishing that first draft. And it's a, it's a, it's almost cathartic when you do finish it. It's one of those, yeah. wow, I did it. I yeah. really finished my first draft. This is, yeah. and you get this feeling of exultation and you just, you know, you're saying, wow, what's, what's next? What do I do next? How, <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? And so you almost feel like this elation of, of just this sense of accomplishment that you got through. Yeah, I will say this. I did Nanorama three times. And the first two times, I did novels that are for a series I haven't even put out yet. <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing about it, going with what you were just saying, is one thing to plan the characters, to do the bios, to know all their hangups, the things they like, the hobbies, you know, all the things you talk about, the their family life, their, their financial situation, who they love, you know, whatever you're going to put in there is one thing to have all those things and even have your story outline. But when you sit down and you write those characters and you do it consistently, eventually they become alive. And that wow moment you talked about, you experienced that wow moment earlier too. Once these characters, they become real because they're talking, they're breathing. It's not just an idea. They're actually interacting with each other in scenes and you're starting to really feel their personalities. 
their quick comebacks, their snarky comments, their little quips and stuff like that. And when you get down to the end, it's like saying goodbye to friends you spent like however long with two weeks, two months, a month, whatever. And I had that moment, like you said, you have that wow moment, but I also have that moment. It's like, wow, these were always just characters that I just outlined and I had and I had the story outlined. But once I wrote the story, it's as if that movie, that story really happened. And those characters have now moved to a different space in my mind. They're real, you know, and that and that that's all that all comes into that wow moment that you experience if you do something like that. So for any of you, like I said, who experiences that problem, I would say try NaNoWriMo. It's free to do. It's, it, it comes up in November. Even if you're having a problem with something that you're working on, just use that. Uh, I would never go into NaNoWriMo with something totally new or an idea. I'm just, you know, I, I would never do that because you're under the, that little pressure to write every day. Personally, I would say go in with some kind of plan. For me, that that's what I did. So you have your <laughs> your workflow and, and like you, you use Scrivener. Yes. And then so you have it, you finish it. You have that wow moment. You go and celebrate. You get yourself a strawberry sundae or something. I don't know. <laughs> I know for me at that point, and you know, it is funny because I, I know it's rhetorical, but basically what you do is you take a break, you celebrate whatever. And for a lot of people, they start writing on something else or they start planning something else that they're going to write. For me, definitely what I just finished, I always put it aside. Again, it was another... I think Stephen King suggestion, and I've heard other writers say it too, put it aside for three or four weeks and don't even touch it or think about it. Mm -hmm. And then when you come back to it, because at this point, you know the story now. So coming back to it four weeks later, you can somewhat have a little fresher eyes, but it's never truly a fresh eye. And so I do that all the time. And then when I come back, I know for me, since I use Scrivener, when I come back to look at it, I don't sit down and just start editing it. When I come back to it three or four weeks later, what I do is I export it. One thing I love about Scrivener, it can export in just about any format you want because I'm in the Mac ecosystem, as Andre likes to tell me all the time. I will export it as an EPUB. And that way I can pull it up on my um, tablet well, I, I'll never, I'll never really do it on the phone. And one time I ever read something like that on the phone when I was on the subway and I was going somewhere on the Metro, I'll pull it up on my tablet. Sometimes when I finish the draft, I'll go ahead and export it. Or sometimes I'll wait until I come back three weeks, four weeks later. And at that point, I'll go into Scrivener. I'll open the project. I'll export it as an EPUB. I have my settings and stuff so that it gives me a really nice EPUB. And you can even put an image on there or your, uh, fill in cover image or whatever you want to do. And I, I suggest you do that, even if you just snatch it, the image from somewhere else, because what it's doing is it's giving you the sense of a complete book and it's getting you into the mode of thinking of it as complete. And that can be really helpful in motivating you. But I export it, put it on my iPad and books, the book app. And there are other, there are other apps that can read um, EPUB. And I sit down and so I have it. So I'm reading it like I'm reading one of the um, EPUBs or Kindle books that I buy all the time. And so I'm reading it. There's a cover image. There's a table of contents. And I sit down and I read it because at that point, as I'm reading it, 
now I can start marking things and marking things I need to change, or I don't like this, or I need to bring this in or whatever. That's when I start doing the markup on it. Once I have that, then I take that and I go back to Scrivener and then I go through the process at that point of going through and making corrections and edits to the manuscript. Uh, I don't know if I call both of those draft one once I finish or if I call it draft two. I probably would still call that all draft one at that point. When I go back through and make those final edits four weeks later, at that point, I would consider that a finished draft one. Maybe something I can send to a beta reader or something like that to see what they think about, you know, structure and characterization and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good workflow to have. Um, mm. I remember, <laughs> just gonna date myself here, but um, when I used to uh, write short stories by mm -hmm. hand, when I lived in El Paso, there was a friend of mine, she actually, she actually would read them for me, uh, because she actually liked reading, mm -hmm. she read a lot of Gaiman, King, and Koontz, and her big one was Barker. She read mm -hmm. a lot of Clive Barker. So I would write these short stories and, you know, she would ask me, do you, do you have something? I'd say, yeah, I got something. And much like yourself, I would, I would finish it, let her take a look at it. And then after she took a look at it, I would just set it down. Usually not quite a month, maybe like two weeks mm -hmm. and then come back to it and then ask her what she thought of it. And we'd sit around and we'd talk about it and she'd tell me what she liked about it, what she didn't like about it. Was it, did it drag for her? Or were mm -hmm. there parts that she felt like, eh, you could, you know, go a little bit further into detail on this part. It was, it was really good feedback. It wasn't just, this sucked, I hated it. It was, <laughs> I liked it, but then there was this part that I had trouble with or mm -hmm. can you tell me why this character is... It, it was it was an interesting mm -hmm. exchange she was listening and it was an active conversation and a lot of constructive feedback she was basically a, a really good beta reader and yeah, she it's, was. it's it's really good uh it's one thing yeah. that i'm still struggling with but i think it's really good and there and, and i think some of those those authors that i was kind of you know i was talking about earlier who said they do one draft I think in one case, they have beta readers that they really trust. And so they do their one draft, they send it off to the beta readers, the beta readers give them all their, their, their feedback, like you're saying, however way they're doing it. I'm sure that they also do some back and forth and talking and stuff, but they trust them. So they bring all that stuff back, they make all those changes, and then they're, they're, they're ready to go. And so beta readers in that respect can be very helpful because they can catch things that you didn't because you're so close to it. Yeah. That's one of the things that I will say that I struggle with. I, I would like to have beta readers like that, that I can trust, but you know, sometimes you just have to go and just get the person you don't know. <laughs> and I really wouldn't like, I really don't want to want to do that so much. So that's one of the areas that I still struggle with in finding some really good beta readers that when I get to that point, like you said, I can give it to them and then they can come back. Now you mentioned Zoetrope, but not, I don't necessarily Zoetrope, but like there's a website called Critters and there's one called Scribophile. Those can be the type of places where you can develop those um, relationships 
with other writers where you, they're like with Scribblefile, they actually have sub rooms in there that are certain genres you can join. And the whole purpose for joining those is you can bypass having to, oh, I got to read so many you know, submissions and give feedback of this amount of links so I can earn enough credit so I can now post mine, You, can, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, particularly if you're working chapter by chapter. But if you already have a, a novella or a book done, you can go into these sub places. And the whole purpose of those is where you swap novels. Oh, that's good. So that's you go in model. there, you, 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 you strike up your friendships, you get to know these people. And if they're the type of genre that you're into, like if like my my first two series of YA um, fantasy, so I would go to YA fantasies. If you liked high fantasy, you can, there's groups for that. You go in there, and the people they give you a description, they have it, they have it posted, and you can post yours, and you can swap reviews. So basically, you're getting beta readers at that point, and even critters. I would always bypass, not always, but you know, you read so many short stories or so many chapters. I always opted to. If you like somebody's chapter, they will tell you the whole book is this this length. If you'd like to be a, he called it a dedicated reader, a de um, dedicated reader. And I like that. You can contact the person directly, get the whole novel, read it, give them feedback again as a beta reader. And then because you read a novel, you get a million points and credits because you get points and credits per chapter. So instead of you reading a short story or just a chapter and getting points so you could build up so you could post your own, you do a whole novel. You knock it out of the park in one sitting. And I would do that not only because it got me all the points I needed so I can post my own things, but I like doing that. I like being beta readers for other novelists because I like reading the whole novels. And, and, you know, I would pick the ones that I felt like I would be interested in so I can do it justice. But I would do that all the time and give people, you know, full feedback. So Critters, I think it's Critters.org and Scribbafile, both of those have those rooms where you, and that's what I've opted because it's hard for me out there in the regular world to find you know, really dedicated readers are that I trust are um, that can be a beta readers. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a way where it's it's right to the point. You can meet these people. You can talk with them. You can just read a chapter at a time, or you can and you can go ahead and opt to read the whole thing. But the, some of these sub clubs in here are meant to be series swappers. You can swap your series, and they can read your whole book. You can read their whole book, and that's what they're there for. So there are resources out there, and Scribblefile is I. Think it might be free or the full version might cost but i will say it is definitely worth it if when you're at that point and you need and you definitely need somebody a beta reader to read it and catch stuff structurally wise you're not talking about somebody being an editor you're talking about them catching your structural your and that's what you were probably talking about what worked for your your friend did the characters work was it consistent they didn't understand this why did this happen you're talking about structure and character those are some options that you can use and I've used them and, and they're very nice. They're there, take advantage of them. Um, and I've done that and the feedback has been very valuable to me. And then you can come back and you can make those changes. So at, at that point for me, for, for me, I, I feel like I'm going into a second draft where I'm going back and making the changes and going all the way through. And once I finish it at that point, I, I'll put it aside again. And when I come back and I'll read it, and at that point, I can decide. I know there are some people in these different places that I've seen who are, who say this is a repost. 
of of a uh, this is a repost of the book after changes or if so i know people go back through that beta reader stage again the outside eyes um i had a teacher at the high school um at school system i worked in she called it outside eyes <laughs> it's good to have pairs of outside eyes through yeah, the process that's a good way to put it yeah yeah and and i and i know for me after that point you get down to that point where you you're ready is done you're not making any more changes it feels like it's done so you're sending it off to the editor and one of the things that i had to learn is even when you send it off to the editor you still have what you call a proofreader after that <laughs> not a beta reader a proofreader just to catch the thing that everybody else missed <laughs> oh yeah which is like the art copies you know that's what you send you know that, that that the publisher sends to the librarians and people like that to read it, to catch things that they then tell them about. And then before the final mass production comes out, then they send it out. So that's at that point for me, that's what it is. So I'm out for it. And because I'm an indie publisher, I also do the design and layout for, for my books. And so I use InDesign and I'll do that. I, I try not to do that until I'm really down to a pretty much finalized manuscript because it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> to make changes to the manuscript and then have to make the changes to the in design design um, because it might throw things off you're changing something you're taking something out so I really try to wait down to the final final thing before I do that in design the design of everything with the table of contents and all that that good stuff well um I think we covered our <laughs> our workflows and have some helpful tips is there anything that you want to add in closing no, this has been a this has been a really good talk here. It's a quite an engaging conversation. So, um, for the writers out there, the blossoming writers, the first time writers, the ones who are working on their third or fourth novel, you know, good on you. Keep at it. Um, don't be dissuaded. It's, it, it can be a little bit of a slog sometimes and you can, you can feel like you're not, sometimes it might feel like you're not making mm -hmm. any progress, but you just have to keep at it. I mean, mm -hmm. I, there's been times where at my previous job, we won't talk about that, but there were times <laughs> where I didn't get home till nine or 10 o'clock mm -hmm. and I was just so exhausted, but I felt like if I at least wrote for 15 minutes I could mm -hmm. at least say okay well at least wrote for 15 minutes I yeah. did that you know maybe I'm not putting mm -hmm. in two or three hours in front of the stream but I can at least say like okay I did some writing yesterday mm -hmm. I did some writing the day before that so even small steps add mm -hmm. up and that, that's the most important thing just make sure you write if not every day write on a consistent basis <laughs> you know that and like you said it doesn't matter how much you write uh, it just just write we were talking about a, a fellow author that we know and i had interviewed him and i asked him i said how did you manage to do all those anthologies and books and stuff he said i just write every day i i write every day <laughs> so it was something else that you also said um when we were talking about different writers and it's like and it's it's a it's an old wisdom that every writer will tell other writers experienced writers will say don't compare yourself to other people no don't, don't do whatever that. their process is that's what their process is that's not what you have to be just develop your own process the only thing that again i would say is just be consistent um if you start 
finish it no matter what blood sweat or tears finish it if you're one of those people that know you'll get stuck you might want to consider just outlining so i know a lot of people want to run from that but you might want to consider it i have a couple of books that i picked up from fellow authors at a convention and i'm sitting down and, uh, and I'm, I'm reading a, a chapter in each one each day and one of the things that really strikes me is that everybody's a different writer but every writer has their tribe out there. They have the readers who will vibe with what you're writing. And there will be readers out there that need to hear what you're writing. <laughs> so like Andre said, just keep going. And I say that for myself, I have to remind myself. And I, I say that for him. And I say that for everybody. It's like, keep writing because there is an audience out there who will accept what you have because it vibes with them. And they will hear your voice. They will hear your stories. They will like your stories. They will come back more for your stories. Not everybody's meant to write for everybody. And the way I always end it with, with these things is like, don't let your voice be silent. Because if your voice is silent, then that tribe, those people that are out there that need to hear what you're saying, they're not going to hear what you're saying. So I always end by telling people, please let your voice be heard. And again, it's something I remind myself of every time when I get in those points. It's like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because there are people out there who want these stories. <laughs> That's it. That's um, what it's about. Yeah. So anyway, so thank you, Andre, for coming in and, and doing this Absolutely. podcast with me. Hopefully we'll do some more. And this has been another edition of the Urban Guru Podcast, and I'll see you next time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Urban Guru Podcast. And of course, you can always find us on iTunes. Just search for Urban Guru and you'll find our podcast listed. You can also listen to this podcast on SoundCloud. Just search for Urban Guru Podcast and you'll be able to find it there too. Thank you again for listening. And remember, no matter whatever your creative endeavor is, always push forward because every step that you take along that path will lead you to your ultimate destination. So I'll see you next time.